The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. All righty. Thanks, Scott. Welcome to The Exchange. I'm Joe Kernan, and here's what's ahead. Despite the sell-off today, the markets are on a pace for a blowout year uh, with gains of more than 20% on the averages. Uh, with such big moves, you're going to ask the question, are stocks too expensive? If we're asking it, maybe they're not. Plus, 2019 saw the biggest jump in wages for employees in a decade. We'll look at whether the trend can continue and what areas will see the biggest growth. And C-suite changes, menu revamping, and a huge tech push. The restaurant industry is going through a revolution. What will 2020 bring in? What names should you buy? But we're going to begin uh, with today's markets and Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange. Robert. Hello, old friend. Happy New Year. Hey, uh, listen, Joe, we're uh, down, but we are way off of our lows. Let's take a look at the major averages. All three of them still down, uh, yet things are moving in the right direction here. Apple turned positive a little while ago. Nasdaq down here today. Dow Industrials, you see there, down 95. S&P, we were, what, 32, 13? 16 was the low there. Take a look at an intraday of the S&P 500. Essentially, the lows were at 10 a.m. and buying came in. Uh, it's not heavy buying. Uh, the volume is about average for a day. But remember, this is supposed to be a very light volume week. So even average volume is a little bit better than normal. What's been um, weakening the market? We're way overbought. So big momentum names would be selling off. And that makes a lot of sense. So Semiconductors like Advanced Micro, home builders have been really strong. Horton's been weak. Uh, Tesla is weak. There's your classic momentum name. MasterCard and Visa, big momentum names all throughout the year. All of this makes a little bit of sense when you've had the kind of price run-ups. What are they buying instead? Well, the stuff that's been underperforming this year. So we had oil names have been moving in the last couple of weeks. It looks like some of this tax law selling probably exhausted in those names. So oil service names, like Halliburton and Schlumberger, oil and gas exploration and companies, the Devons of the world. Steel stocks haven't had a very good year. They're up. And even bank stocks, Joe, the important thing is uh, up, but really the outperformance has been in the fourth quarter as yields have moved up. Joe, back to you. Yeah, a lot of people talking oil, Bob, talking oil for this next year as an undervalue. Only up 7% for the year. Maybe that's a place to be. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, thank you, Bob Pisani. Okay. Uh, as the markets continue to hit new highs, are stocks becoming overvalued? I just like that we're asking that question. We're not saying, gee, are stocks really undervalued, are we? Uh, well, when we do that, then I worry. Let's bring in uh, Jim Paulson, chief investment strategist. The Loothold Group and Mike Santoli, CNBC senior markets commentator. Santoli, number one, where were you this morning? Uh, could have used you. I but, was right here. Okay, but you weren't on with me. But that's okay. Do you no. get to see Paulson's stuff? Are you in? The, are you one of those select people that get to see what what Jim is saying? I sure do. Yeah, because he says stuff that actually there's a method to his madness. Now, I, you know, his politics, he's a socialist. But in terms of what he knows about the markets, you have been right, Jim. And, and the last thing you said, you remember I was talking to you. You said we're starting to act like we're coming out of a recession, even though we weren't in a recession. Now, your point is we're start, the, the market could act like it did have a bear market last year because we got close enough. And you superimposed what's happened every time we had a 20% break, and it portends, what, like 18% for the next year, right? 
Well, I, I think very, right now we, we've traced out, as you said, Joe, this year has been right on the average or really close to what you do in the first year of a bull market. Now, I'm not really necessarily saying we are in a fresh new bull, but it, the market move this year is very comparable to that. In the second year of a bull, things do change. The, the fear sort of gives way to some and doubt about the recovery persisting, gives way to, to more uh, optimism that maybe this thing's for real. And you're starting to see some of that pick up and fundamentals start to come back where I think 2020 we'll see earnings pick up again. And if it does that, Joe, then this year the S&P 500 uh, may reach an area of 35 to 3,600 uh, uh, would be the average second year uh, kind of bull okay. market run since uh, right. since post We're still in 2019. Period. Okay, so the, you're talking about the near 20% was in December of 2018. So that's last year now. But as of, what, Thursday, it's going to be, we're already through the first year following the bear market. Okay, does that, that's any right. of that make sense to you, uh, Mike, or, or are you finally, yeah. really? It makes a lot of sense, actually. If you look at the way that uh, this whole kind of 10-year span has gone, there have been two other of those periods before where you had a pretty sharp correction. Folks thought there was going to be a pretty heightened recession risk. Bond yields made new lows around one and a half percent on the 10 year Treasury, both in 20, you know, 11, 12, 2015, 16. And then, of course, uh, late 2018. So all that sort of fits together, although it seems as if the fourth quarter, and I know Jim's been on this, too, the fourth quarter 2018 sell off was kind of telling you about the slowdown scare of, of this year. Uh, and so it seems like the market front rate. Now, the question now is, where does it leave us? How much more uh, is in that tank uh, to take us higher in terms of we've already burned off the pessimism. Uh, and now yeah. it is a, ma- a matter of, I think, well, very, very strong corporate bond markets supporting higher equity value. The other thing that I, I, I read over Paulson stuff, I almost memorize it. But the other stuff that he's saying now, <laughs> and I don't think you, Jim, I do think you've changed your attitude about inflation because I think you were early on that a couple of years ago. I used to argue with you about it. But, Mike, his point is multiples... You know, it's, it's not just, uh, you know, they, they, they're not just affected by interest rates. Maybe they're more affected by inflation and not inflation for like a month or two or a year. But you average it out over a period of years, Paulson, right? So even if we did get a little inflation, multiples could still stay relatively high if inflation stays low. And it would take a couple of years to burn that off, too. So maybe we're not overvalued. Is that is that your point? Well, I, I think what, what I've taken note of different times in the last several years, Joe, is that we've been in a new valuation range here really in the last 30 years. Um, if you look at the Schiller KP multiple, we've been trading kind of above the upper range of where we used to trade for almost 100 years uh, during the last 30 years. I think we're in a new higher valuation range that, that says the downside risk is not necessarily anymore going back to the average of what maybe it was between 1870 and 1990, it might be the average of the new range, and we're really not that far above that. Is it based um, on inflation, Jim? Is it based on those? Based, based on, in, in, not interest rate, or well, are they related, obviously? J- j- yeah, just the level of valuations have persisted at higher levels. And, and what I did to look at that, I think it's not only low inflation and low interest rates, Joe, but the, the real thing that's caused this is we've had this remarkable record-setting low volatility of inflation. So this is the most predictably low inflation we've ever had in U.S. history. And it's not surprising that that has led to persistently higher valuations that I think could persist until volatility of inflation picks up, which could take several years. I guess we got to end it. Uh, 
Mike. Uh, I, I just got to ask you one thing real quickly, and we don't get into this much, Paulson. Bernie versus Trump. Which way do you, what do you do? You love higher stock prices. You love your money. You love your stock market. You love all this stuff. Tell me, I want an answer. Bernie, Trump, what do I, you do? Bernie, I, Trump. Bernie, I, 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 I no, have, I have no, to go no. Trump. I, I, okay, I, I really? got to go policies on that. I, I can't handle a did socialist, I, just, I don't did, think. Did you hear but. him say that, Santoro? Did you, did you say Trump? Him. Oh, my God. Uh, that is... Uh, well, I just about anyone would go that way, though. Thank you, Jim. I'm still holding out for Amy Klobuchar okay, here. I knew, I knew you'd have some kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> some, an asterisk there somehow. Anyway, thank you. Um, thank you both. Mike, am I going to see you tomorrow, Mike? Happy New Year. Or no? Probably so. Okay, good. All right, turning to tech at Microsoft so far, outperforming Amazon this year and landing that massive $10 billion cloud computing contract uh, from the Pentagon, a decision Amazon is legally contesting, how will this battle play out in 2020? Josh Lipton is live in San Francisco with more. I won't ask you that question, Josh, although we did have a long conversation this morning already about this. Seems like uh, hours ago. Have you thought over what I said? Have you, <laughs> have you, have you decided maybe Microsoft? I earned- have been <laughs> ruminating, Joe, long and hard about your analysis. Unfortunately, it's now before Judge Joe. Um, so that's where we're at. Let's. let's f- <laughs> so the battle over Jedi, as you point out, it was fierce in 2019. It is going to continue, Joe, in 2020. Um, remember in October, that's when Microsoft did secure that new massive cloud computing contract with the Pentagon. Jedi worth up to $10 billion over 10 years. Amazon, as you pointed out, though, it is contesting the Pentagon's decision here, saying in a lawsuit that President Trump launched repeated attacks to steer Jedi away from Amazon Web Services in order to harm Jeff Bezos. And it wants this decision reversed. The Pentagon counters that the DOD is confident in the award. Now, these two, of course, are big cloud powerhouses. And just to put some numbers around that, AWS generated revenue last quarter alone of about $9 billion. Microsoft's Azure business, an estimated $4 billion in its last reported quarter. In 2019, Microsoft, though, has been the stock to be in with a gain of 55%. Amazon up about 20%. Joe, back to you. All right, Josh, I'm... Actually, looking forward. You're going to talk about uh, AMD and the battle versus Intel on Power Lunch, too, right? Is that coming up? That is coming up, so stay tuned, Jim. I will. All right, good. And here's what else uh, is coming up uh, ahead on the exchange. Coming up, 2019 saw the biggest gains in wages in a decade. Will the trend continue next year? And what sectors will see the biggest growth? Plus, another staggering stat about Disney this year that should make investors happy. And C-Suite shuffles, tech innovation, and delivery wars. 2019 was a year of change for the restaurant industry. What will 2020 bring? We'll explore. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to The Exchange. Here are some of the movers of this hour, stock movers. Shares of Tesla down nearly 3% after Cowan is out with a note expecting the automaker to miss deliveries and for the stock to get cut in half. It's had a heck of a run, though, all the way up uh, above 
old Elon's 420 number. This comes after the first uh, Tesla Model 3S uh, built in Shanghai are now being uh, delivered. And shares of Tesla's biggest competitor, NIO, meanwhile, are soaring. The China-based electric vehicle maker reporting a lower-than-expected uh, quarterly loss, uh, better-than-expected revenue, and a surge in deliveries in China. And shares of Lyft down more than 4% as investors appear to be getting nervous about uh, new contractor rules. Starting in 2020, companies in California could be forced to reclassify independent contractors as employees, which would uh, entitle them to broad labor law protections. Uh, Lyft is among one of the companies that fought the state uh, to be exempt from that law. Shares of HPE dropping sharply to session lows after a Wall Street Journal investigation uh, found the company was, in their words, overrun with hackers. The company told the journal that it has since worked diligently to remediate uh, those intrusions, and we've reached out to HPE uh, for comment. You don't say, uh, say that every day, Sue, do you? To no. remediate those intrusions. Uh, who wrote we, that? We I got some really. I do not uh, know. I wow. know. I know. I did not. Some uh, <laughs> got some people working here now. Some uh, that's got to be an advanced degree for there. I would think so. <laughs> All right, Joe. Let's get to the news update. Here's what's happening at this hour, everyone. Federal prosecutors have charged Grafton Thomas. He is the suspect in the stabbing at a rabbi's home in Monsey, New York with five counts of federal hate crimes. The FBI says when they searched his home, they found handwritten journals, which contained several pieces and pages of anti-Semitic sentiments. Hundreds of protesters condemning the U.S. airstrikes on Iraqi Hezbollah bases in Iraq and Syria. They burned the U.S. and Israeli flags as they marched through the streets of Baghdad. The U.S. carried out military strikes in Iraq and Syria over the weekend. Turkish police detaining at least 124 people across the country suspected of links to the Islamic State group. It's an apparent sweep against the militant group ahead of New Year's celebrations. Police were searching for 17 other suspects as well. And NASA officials say Christina Koch has set the record for the longest space flight by a woman. She broke the record on Saturday, and that was her 289th day in space. She is expected to spend 11 months on board the International Space Station. Congratulations to her. That's so amazing to me, Joe. I just think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I, I walk off a plane and I'm like, uh, I know. I'm like, I can't even imagine, uh, Sue. Anyway, uh, it's, a, it's an amazing feat. And uh, I guess that's a congrats, right? It's awful. Oh, absolutely. Awful. All right, Sue. Thanks. Good uh, to co- see you, Joe. Good to see you. Coming up, uh, it's the best performing tech stock of 2019. It's up more than 330%, far outpacing the competition. But can the company keep the momentum going? The name... I still don't know. I tried to look in the rundown. Anyway, uh, we'll know in a second. And what's in store for 2020 is right ahead. Plus, ABC has been watching from the sidelines for like 15 years as its competitors cash in on the NFL. Uh, But could the media company make a play for the NFL once again? A look at who could win the race to secure sports media rights. uh, It's coming up. The exchange is back in two minutes. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. 
Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash methane. Well, if you're a worker, it's been a great 2019 uh, for you. Unemployment is at 50-year lows, hitting 3.5%. Wages for rank-and-file workers are rising at the quickest pace in more than a decade, and the number of available jobs exceeded the number of unemployed earlier this year. Now, the momentum, can it continue, and where will the jobs be in 2020? For more, let's bring in uh, Tom Gimble, founder and CEO of LaSalle Network. And not for nothing, i got to hand it to you, Tom. You, you come on a lot. We talk on Squawk Box all the time about this. And, and I, I would have known some of this wage gain stuff I could have extrapolated from some of the things you've been saying for the past three or four, four quarters, I think, and the opportunity to maybe move up or, or to get a raise. Well, I mean, all we have to look at is the overtime exemption is going to allow workers to get more overtime. So for the rank-and-file hourly uh, workers, they're going to be able to make more money. We've got 21 states that have increased the minimum wage above the federal guidelines. So now all of a sudden at the, at the, the main street, as people like to say in their complaints that aren't making enough or having a harder time, they have the opportunity to make more money than ever before. The economy is still going crazy. As you and I have talked about a lot, Joe, this is the best economy that we've ever seen, and people are taking it for granted. So, Tom, they, they, there's more states coming, too. But do you have the, the, the actual breakdown of companies that have gone up way before their, the states where they're operating went up on minimum wage? Has it been organic because of demand and companies have done it on their own, or do we attribute the recent gains in that part of the market to the states and to actual government action that, that is causing the wages to go up. I, I, w- I wish it was organic because, I, I, you know, I don't know about any wage price controls. I don't know if, they're, if they work or whether sometimes they're counterproductive. It's really an interesting way to look at it, and I think you're dead on, Joe. While I wish it were organic, too, a lot of it is being fueled by regulation and by the governments. Because, but think about this. If unemployment weren't at 3.5%, if it were what it was five, six, seven, eight years ago, if it were seven, eight percent unemployment, then people wouldn't be talking about higher wages. They'd just be talking about getting jobs. So while it is done by the government, they're doing it as a result of the organic economic growth. It's an indirect result of the great economy and of the companies doing this. So whether it be Amazon or Walmart uh, and the big box retailers that have had to do it to attract a different level of people, or it's been the local guy down the corner, companies are having to do it because they need to attract people, and you only have to do that in a low unemployment rate. And, and there's a difference between state and national, I think, anyway. It, it, like, I can't imagine trying to do a blanket national $15 because it, it, that could be counterproductive. And, and I think there have been estimates. You, you could actually, a lot of people might benefit, I don't know, millions benefit, but there would actually be some jobs that go away, and that the minimum wage is zero if you don't have a job, right? Absolutely. Exactly right. And even if you look at a state like California, where San Francisco, it's $15 an hour, but should it be that much in in Sacramento? Maybe not. 
And, and those are the types of things. And then you get to looking at Sacramento or San, uh, San Francisco versus Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you're exactly right. You can't have a na- the days of a national minimum wage are really over. And that's why the interesting thing about this economy is now you're seeing companies out of New York and out of San Francisco specifically that are opening up other offices in other parts of the country. And, you know, Amazon isn't open, didn't go through the whole uh, extravaganza of uh, a second headquarters because it was fun. They did it because they had to get people at different cost structures in different environments to attract different types of workers. And now that's happening across the board with high volume hiring tech companies. So, Tom, it's a good economy, as you point out. Um, the stock market isn't always correlated with the economy, but sometimes it is. And that means when that goes up, the people that own stocks, and, and there are people in 401ks, obviously, but sometimes it does benefit the haves. It, it just, by definition, the wealthy get wealthy in a good economy because the stock market goes up. We're seeing some gains uh, on, on the lower end, but... Should we be concerned that, that it, there's too much wealth being accrued no. on, on the top end? Uh, it's this, yeah. yeah. I think there's a different narrative, Joe. I think it's a really a case of a rising tide lifts all boats. Is that, yes, in a great economy that's growing both on, on Wall Street with the stock market, but just in company growth, profits, and, and so on, that, yes, the wealthy are going to make more money. It would be weird if the economy were growing and the stock market was up and they weren't. But the issue is, is that right now, with what the, the statistics I pointed out about overtime being an increased revenue stream for the hourly workers, um, about companies in Silicon Valley opening up offices in other parts of the country, is that Main Street is benefiting too. It doesn't have to be an either or. Both can be growing. And the fact that the richer people are growing and the, the middle class and the, the lower class are all right. growing at the same time is really a further signal of how great the economy is. I mean, you know. Mark Zuckerberg, he got a $27 billion raise. That's, I mean, we got that going for us, right? Tom, can you imagine? $27 well, billion dollar raise. Uh, you should probably look at the board of directors and how they're allocated. Maybe so. Although if it's, you know, based on performance, I mean, you got, we don't like Mark Zuckerberg? Really? We, you, think, you don't think they'd like him in France, Germany, anywhere else? I, you know, at least it happened here, Tom. At least it happened here. Anyway, thank Everybody's you. got to have an enemy somewhere. Ah, exactly. Anyway, thanks. Here's what, <laughs> we'll see you later. We'll see you on Squawk soon, Tom. Yeah. Thanks. Here's what's coming up. Uh, what else is coming up on The Exchange? Ahead, Disney's domination continues. Spotify gets in on the political ad debate. Some bad news for hedge funds. And Snapchat's new venture, Bitmoji TV. It's all coming up on The Exchange. Let's catch you up on a few stories. It should uh, be on your radar. It's time for Rapid Fire. Here with their takes on three or four or five. We'll see how many we get We'll see how many we get (laughs) in. That's up to you, by the way. Do you have to do power lunch? Is it that important? Do I have to? Do, is it that important? I have the great pleasure of I know, going I know, with power lunch with Ms. Brewer. Do we have to get there right at two? <laughs> well, if you and Contessa do we Rapid need? fire all day. Rahel Solomon is here. Bill Griffith is here. Contessa Brewer is here. This, for me, is a... I have mixed feelings about this. I wish it was universal, but I'm glad people are going. But first, the numbers are putting Disney's box office dominance into perspective. I, I don't like saying that. I just don't. I, I, I don't the, co- the company's films, which include... 20th Century Fox accounted for 40% of the U.S. box office this year. Disney had six movies surpass the $1 billion mark. Likely has a seventh. 
on the way uh, with Star Wars Rise of... It, Why does know, that pain you so much? Look, look Iger he, he's bought a company a, man. Such a Iger company bought man. a bunch of, of he, really good he assets. He overpaid for a bunch of really yeah, but good assets. It's working. All, it's smart. They're it's all bearing fruit look, right Universal now. Was all no at slack. the same time. Universal had an unbelievable year, too. You see, this but, is how it works on Rapid Fire. You present the headline and then all right, we go ahead. talk Go ahead. Go ahead. That's how it goes. I'm just going to put this out there, Joe. Can you give credit where credit is due? Because in 2008, Disney had only accounted for about 10.5% of the U.S. box wow. office. So think about that. I mean, from 2008 to 2019 now, 40% well, combined. Really? So they were due. They're getting it, too, on remakes of... Yeah, of the Lion Pop- King. I mean, you know... That's well, Hollywood Aladdin, right now. We, we, you're looking yeah. at... They're going to do it next year with Mulan. Yeah. So some of it's not even that original. And they, they're like, hey, this works. There's Let's nothing original in oh, Hollywood not right now. Talk. It's all the blockbusters. Very, rarely does an original title... Uh, do very well. I Those you were are the say nothing new under the sun. Uh, that's a. That, gonna, we I'm could get, do I'm something with that. It. I don't know. Don't you think this is how the world starts to end, where we have nothing but sequels? Nothing don't but you sequels. think that that the purists out there in Hollywood are thinking all I'm, we're doing are superhero sequels right, and, and all of it's on CGI with green so none <laughs> of it's out. real. Time out, time out. Where do we get to see the original stuff? We see it in the streaming services now. I and mean, this Snapchat. Is a, We're going to get to original programming age, and Snapchat. Golden age of television right now. I agree. Right? For content, so for writers, for producers. I like it all. Content. I like it all. I'm glad. And how often, When was the last time you went to a theater for a movie? I do go. Do you? I do. We oh. just went well, and I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've seen that four times. I, I love that So did I. I put in my Top ten already. Same here. You know what, Boomer? It might be, it might be watching <laughs> Steve McQueen in Bounty Hunter. That might be part of it, right? Maybe because we oh, yeah. they're, see they're telling me I got to move on. Ah, uh, yes. Why? He's doing power. And you lunch. thought you didn't like the Disney story? Um, no, I, I I like the story. I don't like Disney. Uh, anyway, next up, Spotify is pressing pause on political ads ahead of 2020, taking the opposite stance of Facebook at this point in time. We do not yet have the necessary level of robustness in our processes, systems, and tools to responsively validate uh, the review and review this content. They go on to say that they're going to reassess this decision as we continue to evolve our capabilities. Uh, Political ads will, however, still be allowed on podcasts that apparently don't have video. Uh, that aren't exclusive or owned by Spotify. I think this Did is you mistake. know that? I, I think this is a mistake. Um, right. Uh, it, first, you're admitting you have no control over your, your content, that you can't uh, have enough control to, to verify anything. But pl- the nature of political advertising is you're not there to tell the truth anyway. Uh, you don't tell the truth in commercials, period, right? right. You tell one point of view. That's the nature of, uh, of that type I mean, of advertising. And I think it's a mistake to, uh, to prohibit it. But then look at the backlash and the credibility sort of hit that Facebook took, right, with that whole sort of not fact-checking their political ads. So maybe it also costs money to lose your credibility in, you know, showing ads that may not be factual. This may also be about assessing risk and deciding that it's less risky just not to accept political advertising than to accept something that's untrue and then be sued for and to face litigation down the road or get fined the way that we've seen Facebook with you know, data um, in the Cambridge Analytica. Right, so, right. You know, they're in all kinds of hot water, and now they've decided, Facebook has decided that they're going to accept ads but not fact check them. Spotify's just saying, forget it, we're I, out. That's not I'm, the solution. I'm on the record here. That's not the solution. With Facebook, and I'm, you know, I'm a big boy. I can, I, I know what day election day is. You can put it's the next day. I'm going to show up on the actual day. I, I, I can tell. I'm a bit, you know, I'll look at what's real and what's not. I'm fine. Give it to me. Give it to me. 
You know what I mean, right? Don't I know what you mean. You really want to? Well, it's an even bigger issue than that. You know, whether Joe Kernan is smart or not. Enough no, I don't know. It's not no, being no, no. smart. I'm it's that meaning, um, I, I don't want viewers. it to be spoon fed and, and I don't want someone deciding what I'm you know, big enough boy to see. It leaves the door open to other, you know. Spotify thought it was music. Anyway. What do they actually have ads? I don't know. When do they? They have tears, yeah. So they have like. All right. Yeah. All right topic three. Been a rough, a rough year for hedge <laughs> and funds. They, and they think we're serious. Been a rough year for hedge funds. Uh, new reports show that the industry is now on track to report more closures than launches for the fifth straight year. You, you know why? Because the emperors don't have any clothes. We're okay. finally figuring, you pay right. 2 and 20 to lose money? I can there do that. Are. I can lose money for free. Hedge funds uh, traditionally take advantage of outliers in the investment community and uh, inefficiencies. And we have fewer inefficiencies in this market when the computers are doing a lot of the trading right now, right? Uh, so, and yes, yeah, so they're underperforming and you're going to spend... 2% of your assets and 20% of the profits to allow them to underperform this market. There's no Keep secret why these things returns. are going out of business yeah. right now. And we have seen some of the, you know, what's in every mutual fund, every hedge fund, past performance, no guarantee of future results. We see guys get hot. They get hot. But if you're down 30% a year, what, you know, you need more than 30% to get back. To when a guy year. like Jeff Vinnick, who used to run the Magellan Vinnick couldn't fund, make money. He couldn't make money, had to give it back this year. That's I mean, you've, got, you've seen 4,000-plus funds liquidated in the last five years it's pretty, and, and they took they yanked eighty one point five billion dollars. That's more than twice what we saw getting pulled off last year. You want to do this? Bitmo? How do I say it? Bitmoji. Bitmoji. Next I, up, I was giving Joe a tutorial. Don't say Bitmoji. Right. Okay. You got Next it. Next up, Snapchat's launching a personalized cartoon show. <laughs> no, this is for you, Joe. Called Bitmoji. This is why it would have a Bitmoji of me being in the. No, you yes, have an, your avatar. Do you have an avatar? No. Do you? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm positive. Do you? Do you? I have no idea. Uh, I don't. But I think that you would like this because one, who doesn't want to see themselves in a TV show? And two, you were just talking about original content. What's more original than yourself as an avatar and as a bitmoji? I don't know. Speaking of nothing new under the sun, doesn't this remind you, remember the jib jabs where you could upload a picture of your mm-hmm. face and see yourself in the mm-hmm. little dancing email and then oh, you send Joe, the link. Joe did those. Yeah, right. love that. Yeah. Love okay. the cake. Oh. This yeah. is basically like jib jab for a new generation where instead of your actual face, you take the cartoon that you've made up that you think represents you really well and some of them remember the company you put like a, a, a cat nose on someone it was worth like four billion dollars what i don't understand but can, you, can i tell you why this is important for snap what? because this is something that they own it's it's something that they can't be copied and these bitmojis they're now being used on venmo they're being used they they're being licensed for for clothing this is a way that they can actually monetize what they came up right. with rather than just seeing Let's it ripped off. Let's do us out on the golf course. You get yourself a bit, a, 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 yeah. an avatar. That's, 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 that's a show I would watch. Because um, I promise you, I'm going to take you out. out to I've heard this for how years. many years now? Yeah, It's been a while. For, we used to play. Yeah. You remember? I'd get I, up at 3 in the morning. And you play, you, yeah. Contessa, I feel like we're not even we needed here. Cocktails. <laughs> Maybe we should just go. Do we have time? We do. Because you're the anchor, buddy. Oh, that's right. Okay. And finally, Elon Musk is hoping to hit the jackpot uh, with his boring company's latest venture. I'm not sure how this works either, because is the strip really that... You've been to Vegas. Does it need... But wait. This- the, okay. Tweeting that the company is completing its first commercial tunnel in Vegas. It goes from the convention center to the strip. Which needs a tunnel. Does it? Yeah. Okay. All right. He went on to say that the Vegas tunnel 
will hopefully be fully operational in 2020. Okay, I I know L.A. needs some. This is the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. It's a first-of-its-kind concept. We got to look at it when we were out there in October under construction. And it's going to be two tunnels moving people across um, basically two miles of this massive convention center in Las Vegas. It's a much better proof of concept than the one-mile test facility in Hawthorne. And in Nevada and in Las Vegas, the city and state leaders are already thinking, okay, we need to alleviate some traffic on the Strip. He's coming in far lower in budget than his nearest competitors for both underground tunnels and above-ground options for transit. And can they connect Las Vegas to Los Angeles? Remember, part of what... Part of what they're dealing with in Washington, D.C. and Chicago and maybe the Bay Area is multiple layers of regulatory agencies to deal with. In in Nevada, going to L.A., it's mostly desert. You don't have nearly as many layers to get it done. So if they can no traffic. Why do you need a tunnel from L.A. to Vegas? uh, Much faster. What? Yeah. Why? What? Yeah, it, it, it could be the end of the world. Get to Vegas faster. That one. Get to the, I, I just wonder, I the, mean, the vice of Vegas faster. If you're going to build a, a tunnel, a bore a tunnel between L.A. and Vegas, okay, that's there's a huge project. But what are they going to do after they do this well, Vegas I mean, I'm, I'm really, tunnel? Th- this is just speculation at this point. There's no plans well, in place for that. But for, all right, so that's but for my the question. Las Vegas Strip, yeah. which is, as anybody yeah. who visits there knows, it's you spend 20 minutes getting to the resort next door. I, right. I, they are eyeballing this as a real possibility. Yeah, and I think I saw something that like a 50-minute walk would be a one-minute ride. So I think there certainly is a demand for. Well, it. that's that's good. But what are they going to do next? What you know? What put a man on? The I wonder what I the future is for very, this company as a <laughs> tunnel, an infrastructure company that bores tunnels. I don't know. Is there a big market for that? You know what state has more gambling revenue than Nevada now? New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. We're going to have to talk I, about you, football. Do you do that a lot now? Are you into I that? I do. I have three bets hole? today. Do you? I'm betting, I, have, I have a bet on Cal. Did you bet on the Against Eagles? Illinois. Do you? I bet on the Giants. Oh. I know. Hate I know. to see it. I start with $500. <laughs> you bet the Giants over the Eagles yesterday? Only because I, wow. I'm not I mean, sure I'm a why. fan. I'm, I'm I, always on I the wrong never side. I'll tell you off camera what Joe said to me the first time he met me, wearing an Eagles t-shirt. I'll tell you. Oh, yeah, about Philly. <laughs> my daughter's down. Uh, no, I like, I like the Eagles. But a couple of weeks ago, I saw them, in, and I, I guess people were hurt because they didn't look that good. But they have looked good recently. Sterling right? Shepard's still. Yeah, still right. And I hope Kramer's not. But we're going to talk about the <laughs> NFL deal coming up. Because yeah. based on DraftKings and FanDuel, so, I, I think NFL teams are worth more. I think yeah. that the ratings are worth more. I think that the rights that are, are worth more because I watch every game now. Just to clarify, the segment's over? We've moved on now to NFL franchise. What time is Power Lunch actually begin? Uh, top of the hour. It's we a late lunch. Minutes minutes it's like two o'clock. It's like a late right. lunch. Well, it's, it has drifted like over the drifted years. It's drifted over the know. years to a, it's back like a, almost were, a tea. Back when you and I were doing it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Exactly. All right. Thank you. Can Tesla Brewer? Because she's going to focus on Tesla. I'm going to get. I'm going to get all kinds of pain. It has now. a little ring to yeah. it. Right? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. How good to see you, Griffith. Let's do it. Let's let's make a plan. Let's do it. Okay. I'm telling you. Bring Gary McCord or something. He's maybe he's, he's, he's not got busy these time days. <laughs> and Costas. We gotta go. There okay. Go. 2000, 2019 saw everything from chicken sandwich wars to ghost kitchens to big C-suite shakeups. So look at what's on the menu for restaurants in 2020. And the best names to buy is next. The exchange is back in two. Why don't you do this for me on Power Lunch? Major uh, changes were on the menu for the restaurant industry in 2019, from the adoption of fake meat to the debut of delivery robots. Kate Rogers has a look at what could be ahead in the next year. 
From tech deals to C-suite shuffles, 2019 was a year of change for the restaurant industry. So what will restaurants be serving up in 2020? First, technology takeover. Restaurants are becoming increasingly tech-focused to both speed up and personalize service. McDonald's, Starbucks, and Yum! Brands all made acquisitions or investments into tech companies this year. Analysts say this will continue whether brands team up or beef up their in-house operations. Second, delivery wars pick up. With more companies getting into the delivery game, competition is increasing not only between restaurants looking to entice customers, but between the delivery platforms from DoorDash to Grubhub. Third, menu innovation continues. From Chipotle's carne asada to the chicken sandwich clash between Popeye's and Chick-fil-A, new menu items had the internet buzzing. Expect that to continue into 2020, as well as more collaboration between restaurant chains and alternative meat companies like Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. Kate joins me now, and I'll ask this question because uh, it's okay. But then I have another question. Can I ask one of my own? Please, uh, yeah. The, all right. What delivery strategy do you think wins out? Uh, going at it alone like Domino's or teaming up with aggregators? So I think we're going to see more teaming up with aggregators. We saw a lot of companies get into it with an exclusive partner like McDonald's did with Uber Eats to begin with. Now uh, they're using other carriers. Chipotle's doing the same thing, using DoorDash as its main carrier, but using Postmates as well. I think we'll likely see more of that to come. You know, Domino's has spent a lot of time and money on building out its own delivery infrastructure, and it's not likely going to pivot away from that in the near future. So we'll have to see what happens. We'll ask you this, and I'll ask Bob this. If you had, um, like, if you had to go from zero to ten in terms of digitizing mm-hmm. orders and making it fast and fresh, are we done? Or where are we? Are we at five? Are we at seven? Is there more work to do there? Because it's still not perfect. I'm just telling you that. I it think, could get- yeah, I mean, that's a, a fantastic question. I think, you know, there's always more improvement that can, can be done on the restaurant side. Chipotle's done an amazing job of getting you in and out of the restaurant really efficiently and quickly. McDonald's has made a lot of investments into its drive-through operation in particular. They're this not year all perfect. They're, because they're they mostly want you good. Out even faster. I was at one recently where Bob, all right, let's bring in Bob Darrington. I'm <laughs> going to tell you this, Bob, Managing Director, Senior Research Analyst at Telsey Advisory Group. And I was at one, Bob, where... Every time I went, I went a couple of times, and I, they said, okay, pull over into one of those spaces over there. And then I went and waited like 10, 15 minutes. And um, really, fast food is not what it was. And, and, I mean, I still think there's work to be done there getting their act together. No or no? Uh, <clears throat> listen, I think you're dead on. You know, part of the, the problem for the industry is just the, the lack of sufficient help. This industry is struggling to keep its restaurants staffed. And without sufficient staff, it's hard to provide the kind of level, the level of service that especially people like you, Joe, expect. Yeah. And it, when, you know, he's gone now, but when Easterbrook came in at, at McDonald's specifically, mm-hmm. he wasn't reinventing the wheel. And I said, How, you're not going to triple the stock price or double the stock price by just getting faster and fresher and cleaner. But you can. You can, can, if that's all you want. If we're talking about stock performance, though, for this year, McDonald's is only up about 10%. It was one of the better performers in the past few years. But in recent years, yeah. It had done really well. It's in the midst of this big turnaround plan. It is looking to get you in and out even quicker and have you order on these varying different ways from mobile to kiosks in store. The transformation is still happening. Uh, so they're not quite there yet, but they've made all of these big tech investments this year. So it'll be interesting, and a lot of analysts are looking to see what that looks like next year and in 2021. Is it innovation still, Bob? I mean, do I need a a molded pork slew thing that looks like a rib to get me in? Or, or I mean, do, do you still need to keep innovating this? this uh, I know. I mean, or fake meat or something? Can't, 
Can't you just do what you're doing better, fresher, faster, or, or do we need to, I don't know, what's the latest chicken wars? That's crazy. <laughs> yes, and yes, and yes. You know, you need product innovation to keep the consumer interested, faster, quicker, better. Yes, all those things are really important, and better service especially. But you really need that catalyst to get consumers in the door to come and try something fresh and new. Okay. That, I think, is especially important. That's slow, uh, one thing slower. I think that Kate didn't talk about earlier that the, this industry is going to see in the coming year is going to be higher prices, Joe. I mean, that's a common theme we're going to hear across the industry. Right. And, and next, uh, well, next year, in a couple of days, I mean, you're going to see margins squeezed and commodity prices are going to go up. And, and prices are already up a little, right? But no one's noticed. You think that there's a point where they start noticing, Bob? Well, yes. You know, menu pricing is, you know, this past month was up a little over 3% year over year. If we see the kind of pressure within commodities, especially in the coming year, there's a risk that we could see much higher menu pricing or considerably, you know, a lot of margin degradation. So I think it really is yet to be seen. What's the appetite in China going to do to our commodity prices, and how will that affect ultimately what restaurants have to pay and ultimately have to charge consumers? What are your best picks for the year, Bob? You got three? You know, quite honestly, you know, one of my favorites is, is Brinker International for a number of reasons, valuation, dividend yield, the fact that they have, uh, they understand their consumer, they sell value really well. I also think McDonald's is going to do well. I think the technology initiatives, as well as the improvement they're making, particularly in chicken and in breakfast, will ring the dinner bell for consumers. And as a turnaround, I think Jack in the Box is very well positioned, especially at these valuation levels. Right. And now at least they're not called food maker. They're called Jack in the Box. I mean, why were they? That was weird, wasn't it, Bob? Anyway, Bob, I mean, I could, how much you get charged to change, you know, they, someone charged them to come up with that, change your name from food maker to, right, to Jack. You know, listen, that goes back to the 80s. It does. That goes way back, right, Here Joe. we go again. Okay, Boomer. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you th- said it. We- I did. I did, because I'm allowed to say it. I, think I would I'm never al- say it. I think I'm allowed to say it. You can say what you're the host. Am I allowed say to say, you okay, millennial? Sure. Okay, Millennium. All right, take it. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Bob. Take another look at today's mystery chart. Shares surging more than 330% in 2019. We're going to reveal the name and whether the gains will keep streaming. Aha. Aha. Whether the gains will keep streaming in 2020. That's next. Welcome back to the exchange. It's been a blowout year for the NASDAQ with gains of 35%. And there was one name that really stood out, Roku. The stock was the best performing tech name of 2019, up 330%. Uh, The ride to the top spot was a little rocky. The stock suffered drops of more than 10% uh, or more on six separate occasions this year. Uh, The bullish case, the company is poised to report 49% revenue growth this year, uh, a rise from 2018's 45% expansion. So even the second derivative uh, is increasing. And Roku is also expected to show improvement in gross margins. And despite all that, the company is still losing money. Uh, Trend analysts expect to continue at least for another year. All right, coming up, we're referencing this, the $66 billion race to secure sports media rights is heating up. More and more players want a piece of that pie. And we'll look at what's at stake and who's best positioned to come out ahead when we return.
NFL viewership is expected to jump once again this year, rising for a second straight season following a pair of down years. Could the rating spike cause the league to call an audible on its current TV deal? For more, let's uh, bring in CNBC.com sports business reporter Jabari Young. Um, they still like big network, yeah. um, splashy productions. I, I mean, I see the NFL network, I see ESPN, I see streaming. Sometimes I don't even know it's on yeah. sometimes. I mean, I think the big networks are still going to pay up for these, aren't they? And, and it's good for, for NFL. Absolutely. And, you know, the NFL is all about reach. That's what they want. And broadcast TV allows them to have that reach, you know, and network TV as, as well. You know, you're talking about possibly having four networks that's going to have your product if ABC decides to get back into the mix after the current deal of 2022. So it's like it's really, really intriguing for them. Usually they like to keep somebody else on the outside because they, that's leverage for them so they can raise the price. But this time around, I would not be surprised if ABC got back into it because Disney, apparently, they want some, something to do with the Super Bowl. And in order to do that, in order to do that, they have to have a local broadcasting uh, rights to, to well, air that game. It's been 15 years, and I'm trying to figure out whether they, they just thought it got too expensive. And, and, yeah. and then they watched NBC was Sunday night, and you saw NBC finally beat CBS in terms of total viewers. Some of that's from Sunday night football. Yeah. Even Fox winning 18 to 49, whatever it was, that's partly because of, of football, too. I mean, yeah. you can't, how can ABC sit there for 15 years without... They had to learn, of a, they had to learn of a lesson. CBS learned that lesson in 1993, then they got the NFL back in 98. NBC, you know, they learned that lesson in, 2000, in 98 when CBS took their rights, and then they got it back in 2006. ABC is currently going through that. They're not looked upon as that network anymore from when they had Monday Night Football. So it only makes sense that they would get back into it or at least consider it. The package is, is that would you consider it to try to get Monday Night Football back, or do you go to Thursday Night Football, which is just as prominent? And right. you talk about ratings, NBC, you know, you they're going to release their numbers soon. But right now I'm hearing over 20 million viewers for Sunday Night Football. I mean, those are astronomical numbers. And then the, the, the NFL, again, as a whole, is rebounding from and those And I don't see years. zero sum. Do some streaming. Do some of this. Do some, it, it's additive almost. It doesn't take away from... from no, it doesn't. But the NFL, you can tell they're not on the streaming. <coughs> they're not on it all right, the way well, yet. You don't want to do too much. You don't want no. to just... And, and streaming doesn't have the platform for it either. Right. You know, you, when have you saw a streaming company do 25 million viewers, okay, in one NFL game? I don't think they have that infrastructure. So right now, Streaming still has to develop that if they want to be a major player for NFL rights. But again, NFL loves broadcast. And again, how if much could it be product on four yeah. channels? That's good. PGA was up like 50 percent or something, yeah. right? Because of Tiger. That's jump so change compared to what the NFL gives, right? Uh, no, 700 <laughs> million versus the but, yeah. but but percentage gains could be what? It can be anywhere from 25 percent, which is minimum, to 50, possibly even 100. But right now, I'm hearing about eight to ten. And then 10 you got million. betting, which should make everything That's worth what I, it's a lot gonna, It's going to be even crazy. I mean, NFL is. I got to get money. going now. I have a game today. In fact, I got to go. Is oh, it that's NFL it right now? Uh, no, yeah, no NFL. A yeah. couple of NCAA. I mean, it's not even the you know the playoffs, yeah, but it's it. it's a it's a couple of bowls. It's like 40 bowls. It's yeah. like the football is big. Bowl. Anyway, Jabari Young, uh, thank you. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.